Hello Kids at First team, both on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. Here we are with a continuation of our It's Personal series. Um, it is a book that is worthy of your full reading as I'm only hitting some highlights and I do have some. If you would like your own copy, please let me know. We are on our fourth of five questions. The first question we answered was, do you know my name? Then we talked about, do you know what matters to me? Last week we discussed, do you know where I live? And today we're going to be asking, do you know what I've done? No one needs to be known by everyone, but everyone needs someone who knows them. Have you considered how wildly offensive it was for Jesus to eat dinner with Zacchaeus, knowing what he had done? We have been looking at the story of Zacchaeus and Jesus as they align with these particular questions that are talked about in this book. Think about this in reference to Zacchaeus. First, Zacchaeus' position in Jericho was upheld through extortion. He wasn't a thief. He was much worse than a thief because his embezzlement was supported rather than condemned by those in power. He was the epitome of a corrupt leader who leverages the system for personal gain. Second, Many were coming to regard Jesus as the Messiah, the promised one. Just as leaders in the church are often regarded as personifications of the church's interest, Jesus' actions might be seen as representations of the coming kingdom. So for Jesus to share a meal with Zacchaeus, an extortionist, was tantamount to inviting the tax tyrant to the messianic banquet and eternal blessings. That was wildly offensive. But when Jesus ate with Zacchaeus, when he stepped into his world, stepped into his context, stepped into his home, he modeled love, agape love. It's interesting that Zacchaeus repents even though Jesus never speaks about Zacchaeus' sins. In fact, in this part of the story, Jesus doesn't really do anything. There is no moment when Jesus walks through the home inquiring about how Zacchaeus bought this stature or asks whether the food on their plate was justly acquired. He doesn't declare, I will sit with you, Zacchaeus, for dinner once you repay the people as the Jewish law requires. Maybe that's because Jesus knew that should and must must are extrinsic, shallow motives for change. When a person makes changes to their life as a way to please someone, perform for someone, or perfect their image, those changes are often short-lived. Now think about that in the context of kids' ministry and kids. Kids will make choices they shouldn't. 
and once a caring adult has communicated moral or behavioral expectations, kids typically feel guilty about their wrong behaviors. But are they motivated to change those behaviors because of guilt and shame, which can be short-lived motivations? When shame shuts down a young person's self-worth, it prevents them from moving forward. What's more, shame is often cyclical. People who feel intense shame are often likely to impose shame on those who have less power than themselves. So Jesus came to break this cycle, not only for Zacchaeus, but for everyone. That's the power of the gospel and the power of Jesus's encounter with Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't enter Zacchaeus's house to impose shame upon Zacchaeus so he would accept Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus entered Zacchaeus's house to demonstrate his love for Zacchaeus and to rescue him from a cycle of shame that Zacchaeus could not break on his own. So whenever a kid entrusts you with information about their world, you have an opportunity to break any power cycles of shame. When you demonstrate love in the face of someone's deepest vulnerability, you answer a number of unspoken questions they have in their heart. Do you still think I'm going to be okay? Do you think I can still have value? Do you think I can be forgiven? As church leaders, we often we are often quick to teach kids God loves you, but many kids have a hard time knowing what love feels like unless they, unless they have experienced the love of a caring adult. So, Jesus does forgive you, we should tell them. But when shame has a stronghold on a young person's life, they are likely to think, you're only saying that because you don't know me and you don't know what I've done. So you can demonstrate forgiveness when you learn to respond to someone in a way that replaces their shame with hope. So in conclusion, everybody needs somebody who knows the answer to all of these questions, especially, do you know what I've done? When you know what I have done, you model love. So I have people that I am worth forgiving. I have hope that I am worth forgiving. I'm sorry. Respond to someone in a way that replaces their shame with hope, the hope of Jesus and why he came to do what he did for all of us. Thank you so much, and I hope you are enjoying this It's Personal series.